Welcome to 11 o'clock. Welcome to 2023. I'm Aaron. I am the youth pastor here. Um, so this is, this is fun. So I love, I love this opportunity every year that, you know, we get through Christmas and then they hand it over to the youth pastor and pray, you know, it's fun. Um, I, I joked in the first service that um, I got plenty of sleep last night, um, but Angie, my wife, left her coffee, so I did drink that. So that's going to go one of two ways. So continue to pray. Um, so quickly, five weeks ago, I talked about Ruth, and I talked about how it's important to follow Jesus, right? So Ruth was in a place where she had a choice. Am I going to go back to Moab? Or am I going to follow Naomi? And I think deep, deep down she knew that God had plans for her. God had things that she wanted to do in her life in Israel. So she stays. And so she follows, follows Naomi. And the same thing in our life, all good things that the Lord has for us start with following him, having faith, trusting him, sometimes blindly just saying, God, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm going to follow you. So it all starts with following him. And so today I wanna to talk about the redemption that happens when we follow him. The redemption that happens when we seek those things that he has for us and the waiting that we have to go through sometimes to get to the promise, the promise of redemption. The redemption is there, but the promise of the redeeming of our lives from the things that we used to be about to the things that he has for us in the future and he wants to show us those things, but sometimes it takes following him. Sometimes it takes trusting him. And sometimes it's not easy. And so the thing I also want to do is, is kind of keep continuing from what Justin talked about last week, last week as it pertains to Christmas, right? And so he ended with this, with this angel coming to Joseph in a dream. And, he's, and he says, your wife Mary will bear a son. And he, you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And I think that's important because like I said, we're gonna talk about redemption today. And it's about he's coming to save us from our sins. He's coming to save us from the things that we used to be addicted to, from the things that we used to be a part of. And he wants to take us into the next thing. And if we are continuously focused on our sin, then we can't walk in the promise. There's this age old saying and I like it and it makes sense and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with it, but so many times we have this mentality that says we are sinners saved by grace. And that's true. Please don't hear me say that's not true. But what I do wanna implore you is that if you continue to walk around like a sinner saved by grace, then you will continue to live in that sin mentality. And what I'm telling you today is that Jesus came to save us from our sins, yes. But he also came to save us from that sin mentality, that sin addiction, if you will, that, that thing that encapsulates our whole minds that says, man, I hope and pray that I don't sin today. Because that, that is not a victorious mind frame. Some would say that's the enemy winning. Some would say, I mean, maybe you don't lose every day to sin, but either way, I don't, I don't see victory in that. I don't see hope in that. So my, my, my hope for you guys today is to get out of the sin nature and walk in victory, whatever that looks like. Because I'm, if I'm honest, I would say that redemption, 
looks like freedom. Redemption doesn't, I don't know why he would save us for us to live the same way and addicted to the same things and do the same things. Like yesterday I was saved, today, you know, and, and I'm just the same. Like, no, like that's not what he wants for us. So my hope for today is that I am able to communicate that. Redemption has always been his goal, always been his goal. So today, the thing I wanna talk about is redemption. I wanna continue to talk about Ruth. I'm gonna talk about the redemption in Naomi and what that looks like in our lives. Because the one question that I, I wanna ask today every time I do one question is, now what does redemption look like in your life? Because at some time in your life, whether it's years ago before you got saved or even today, I feel like you are at least in a position where you're like, God, I, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know the plans you have for me, but I need help, right? And so the goal of my sermon today was gonna be one thing and then uh, candlelight service and, and Justin, like the last couple of weeks, it really just changed the focus of what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it. And the thing that Ethan talked about at the candlelight service was he talked about, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, in that song, right? And just the heart that is behind that, like just knowing that we can come to a place in our greatest need when everything around us looks horrible and we can say, God, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Because we can put our hands up and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing like a little baby. Like my daughters look up at me and they go, Daddy, I need you to hold me. We can do that with our father and say, God, I don't know what it looks like, but I need you to hold me. I need your help. I need your redemption. I need your salvation. I need you to dig into this situation and take me out. Because my favorite verse when I was growing up in this thing was Psalms 40, verse 2, and it says this. He drew me up from the pit of destruction. He drew me out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He picked me up. He saved me out of my mess. He put my feet on solid ground. He did it. Yes, I put my hands up. Yes, I knocked on the door. Yes, I said, God, please do whatever it is. But he does the work. If we just reach out to him, he'll do it. And the question is, will you accept that? It's, it's easy, you know? His, his salvation is, is, is easy, but that doesn't make the life following him easy. He said it's gonna cost us and to pick up our cross daily. So it won't be easy all the time, but let me tell you, it's worth it. And you can trust him in your greatest need. You can trust him because he is a good, good father. So the title of my message today is Waiting for my Boaz. And so um, I need you guys to know that part of my title today was kind of a joke with me and the youth group as we did a relationship series a couple years ago and I talked about the mind frame behind waiting for my Boaz and just the saying that it is and we know in our culture what that is. And for the record, I agree and understand what that means. And I have no problem with what it means in that, like, you need to wait for the person that God has for you. Yes. You need to wait for the promise that God has for you. Absolutely. My problem as, as I speak, and this is a joke, so please just follow me. This is just me being me. But the problem that I find is that if you... Um, and this applies to guys and girls. This is not 
exclusive to one or the other, although Boaz is innately a man. So the point is that like, if you have the mind frame that, oh, I'm, I'm just waiting for my Boaz. And especially if you put that on Facebook, or if you put this on Facebook, like I'm just in a relationship with Jesus. So in me as a 30 year old who is looking around for a world. And by the way, I like to think that, and my wife would joke with you that when we met, she thought I had no interest in girls. I just love Jesus that much which let's be honest, could not be farther from the truth. I was falling more and more in love with Jesus in the hopes that he would find me um, an amazing wife, which he did. And I now have two amazing daughters, which I would give anything for. But the reality is that the mind frame of, oh, I'm just waiting for my Boaz is a hard one. Because if, 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 if I'm honest, if you're staying on your couch and hoping that Boaz knocks on your front door, that's gonna be hard because sometimes God is calling us to obedience. He's calling us to step out and trust him no matter what happens. So no matter if it's a spouse or no matter if it's the promise that he has for you or, or an anointing or whatever that is, I never thought that I would be here speaking to you in this way. But day one was not, God, I wanna preach someday. No, 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 God, it was, God, I, I don't care what it is. I'll do anything that you call me to do, whatever that is. I just wanna be used by you right? And this is where we are now. So in that field, in that season of waiting, I had no idea what the future holds. I had no idea that Angie was waiting for me. I had no idea that I would be here at Hickory Ridge. I had no idea. But those are probably the two biggest blessings in my life. Being able to be a part of this congregation and being able to be married to my amazing wife. Like that is what it's about. And so I live in a place that says, please, God does not love me more than you. He did these things in my life. He wants to do them in your life. So please, number one, wait for the person that he has for you. Wait for the thing that he has for you. And don't settle, no matter what we're talking about, don't settle for the good enough. Don't settle for what's next to you. Don't settle for that. Wait to see what God's best is, because he will do it. And in the waiting, I think it's okay, keep knocking. God, this is, what, this is what I want, this is what I need, and you can keep doing that. And not in a selfish, self-serving way, like, no, you owe me this, because I've, I've prayed those prayers too. I thought that the day that I, that I chose Christ in a real way, he was gonna snap it up, and yep, next day, I was obedient, Lord. No, it's not like that. It was six years of waiting and, and hoping and praying. And, but that was the six years. Well, I was explaining it to someone the other day and I said, man, those six years were the worst because as an extrovert person of loving to be around people, those six years were very lonely. But at the same time, those six years were integral and they, you could not take those away. I, I started the conversation by saying, oh, it was horrible. And I left the conversation saying, it was the best six years of my life. The Lord called me out of things and he called me into things. Speaking about the Christmas offering. So the, 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 the hope of our Christmas offering is that we are able to create affordable homes for people in need. God did that in my life. The reason I'm standing here today is because someone felt compassion for me. Gave me a little tiny home, it was cold but he gave me a little tiny home to live in for next to nothing. They didn't make money on me. 
They helped me out. So bless that. And he gave me an amazing job, you know what I mean, to, to set my feet on solid ground. And so that's what he's willing to do. So let me plug that quickly. But this is who the Lord is. If we follow him, he is faithful and he will supply our needs according to his riches and glory. But remember, it's time to knock on the door. You know, it's okay for, for, for you to say, God, I just really need this. And so this idea of waiting for Boaz is still true in, in our lives as, as, as we follow Christians. You know what I mean? As we follow as Christians, please don't settle for anything less than God's best. Please don't just do the bare minimum of the checklist things. Yes, do those things. But if it's about just check, checking things off, then I'm, my, my, my hope and my prayer for you is that it leads to a closer relationship. And if that's our goal, say, God, I don't, I don't care what it looks like. I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that just because I wanna be with you. I wanna understand you. I wanna have a better relationship with you. I think that's a better place to be in as a heart posture than, hey, I did that. Hey, I did that. This is my, my hope for you. And in the same way, like when we're, when we're up against the, the, the wall of, of sin or, or even addiction or whatever it may be, we can just go to Christ and say, God, I know that you have, best, you have things better for me. You have the best in store for me. And in the midst of those trials and the time, we can put our hands up and say, ah, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, help me. Help me. I need your help. I need a redeemer. And his promise is sure. The thing that Ethan talked about was, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And the whole point was that, yes, there's an answer. I will come. And he will come. He will show up. But you have to wait. You have to keep seeking him in the waiting time. He will show up. And that's true in Ruth. It's true in what I want to talk about as it pertains to Ruth. She could have gone back to Moab. She could have said, nope, I'm going back to my people. I'm going back to my family. I'm going back to what I know and what I'm used to and what's comfortable. I, she could have done that. And that probably would have been the end of that story as, as, it, as we know it. But she didn't. Because I feel like deeply in her bones, she said, no, God has something for me. God has plans for me. And God has redemption waiting for me, and I'll do what it takes to get there. She looks at, at Naomi and says, no, please don't push me away. Where you go, I'll go. And this is where I feel like we should be too. No matter what the story has been in the past, I don't know what the future holds, but God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. So she stays with Naomi. And quickly, the story of, of, of between the waiting time is this. So she goes to Naomi and says, hey, I wanna help support our little family. I'm gonna go out in the fields and glean. And Naomi says, go. And she finds favor in the fields of Boaz. Now, she doesn't know that Boaz is the one. God doesn't show up like he did with Angie and say, yes, that's the one right there. And now she had to walk in faith in that too, by the way. But that's what the Lord does. She, he didn't tell me that. He couldn't trust me with that information. He had to tell Angie, my wife. But anyway, back on point. He didn't, she didn't know that Boaz was the future. All she did was go into his fields, and I think God led her there to, be, to the fields. She works hard 
Doesn't take many breaks, the, the Bible says. And Boaz comes to her and says, hey, don't go anywhere. Don't go to any other fields. Know that you're taken care of here. Uh, I've told the girls to, you know, stick with them. And, and I've told the guys, don't touch you. Don't, you know, don't harass you in any way. And by the way, take as many breaks as you want. When you're thirsty, go get a drink. Don't feel like you need to kill yourself out here. And Ruth falls on her face and asks Boaz, why I have found favor in your eyes as a foreigner, right? And how often do we have that my frame? God, how, how can you love me? God, how can you support me? How can you have plans for me? Haven't you seen what I've done? God doesn't care about that. All he cares about is, hey, do you wanna move forward? You wanna keep going? You wanna, you wanna walk in this stuff? Okay, let's go. Because he'll put that stuff aside. As far as the east is from the west, he'll put it aside. But you have to put it aside too, by the way. Not in my notes, but remember that. Um, but anyway, so my point is, this is, what, this is what Boaz says to her. This is why she found favor as a foreigner. Um, chapter two, verse 11 and 12 says, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord the God of Israel, until whose, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. She's proven herself faithful to what she has. And then maybe, then maybe the next thing, right? So Ruth has trusted the Lord first. It says that under whose wings you have taken refuge. So it's, 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 it's a sure promise that you pick you choose the Lord and what he has for you. You take refuge in the Lord. You trust the Lord. And then, then the promise. So she trusted in the Lord way before she knew that Boaz was the future. And that's the same thing in our lives. Before you can walk in the promises of a spouse or a promises of a great marriage or the promises of God's anointings or the promises of whatever he has for you, we have to trust the Lord first. Say, God, whatever it is, I trust you. I know that you want the best for me. I know that you want me to have a godly marriage, to be a godly father. I know that you have that for me. Now, please, Lord, come and help me walk that out. So after that, Boaz invites her to eat a nice little lunch date with him. I feel like there was probably a few more people around. It probably might've been weird, but I don't know. But anyway, they have a lunch date together. And then they just go back to work. And he tells his men, hey, leave some extra on the fringes for her to collect. And after that day, she, she goes back to Naomi and says, Naomi, look at what I have. Look at what I've been blessed with. Boaz helped me. And he even took me to lunch. And here's the leftovers here. Bless you, right? And Naomi tells Ruth, look, this is Boaz, he's a close relative and one of your redeemers. Now, you know, like I did, if you put something in my brain, hey, hey, I have this friend and I don't know if you guys are good for each other, but I like him and I like you and blah, blah, you know, you can see that. 
So she puts this thing in her head and goes, hey, just think about this because he is one of our redeemers. And this may be a future. This may be something that happens, but keep walking it out. And that's what she does. She continues to walk and work in Boaz's fields through that barley season and then through the next wheat season harvest, it says. And then when those harvests are done, Naomi and Ruth come up with this cool scheme and how the culture happens back then with the, hey, I want you to visit him at night and just un, un, undo the corner of his garment and you lay it over your feet. And then, so yeah, like, like I said, this is, this is a little bit of a different time. I don't know if this translates to today. Um, you know, it's not a Hallmark movie waiting to happen, but look, it's just the, this is the way it was. But she does, she goes and, and basically tells Boaz that she wants him to redeem her, right? And he tells her, Ruth, I want, to, I want to redeem you, but there is one closer. And today, don't, don't miss that. He, she goes to him, and that day, he goes and makes this thing right, right? But he asked the Lord to bless her because she hasn't gone after younger men, right? So obviously, Boaz is a little bit older. I understand what that is. Boaz is a little bit older and he's, and he, I don't know if he doesn't know that this is coming, but he puts a blessing on Ruth because she could have gone after less than what God had for her and younger and they might've been more attractive and they might've had money. The the Bible says rich or poor, younger men, right? But she chooses Boaz, an older man. And, and, and he says, God bless you for doing that. So that day, he met with the other guy at the, at the gate of the city, as was custom in those times, met him at the gate, and he says, hey, if you're gonna do it, do it. This is what it comes with, Ruth, Naomi, the whole land. He says, well, I'll take the land. No, no, it's a whole piece. Oh, I don't want that. I don't wanna mess up my own thing, right? And so he says, no, you do it. You take it. So that day, Boaz redeems Ruth in a official capacity, right? Soon after, he marries Ruth. And soon after, he has a son, or he conceives with a son with Ruth. So as you, we can see, it started with Ruth following Naomi. She worked hard. She did the things. She obeyed. She, she did the things that Naomi asked her to do. She, her goal was to provide for her and Naomi. She made a name for herself. And then the promise happens. And, and Boaz chooses to redeem her. And that story is very relevant to us today. We know we have a redeemer. We know that he has the best for us. We know that there's, there's things that he has for us to do and ways that he wants us to serve him and, 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 and where, you know, sometimes it might not be our anointing to go out into the, the mission fields of Africa or, or even Ukraine or wherever. And maybe that's not the call, but I know what his call for me is. I get to hang out with you guys every now and again. I get to hang out downstairs with the amazing youth group that we have at our church. 
But 50 hours a week, I get to hang out at a normal job where I have a lot of coarse individuals all around me that I get to hopefully share Jesus with in one way or the other. But I get to point them at the hope that I have within me, right? And so that's the call that he has on my life. And it started because I said, God, whatever you have for me, I'll do. I'll follow you anywhere, right? And so in verse 14 of chapter four, we get to learn about Naomi's redemption. And though if you were here heard with us last time, you heard me say in the beginning of Ruth, it says that Naomi tells the women of the city, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. And this is where we pick up the story. In chapter four, it says in 14, then the women said to Naomi, probably the same women that she said, don't call me Naomi. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse and the father of David. So we understand that Ruth has redemption by the work that she's done and by believing that God had something better for her than Moab. And we see that Naomi's heart has changed from the beginning of the Lord has dealt bitterly with me, although that's the season that she was in. And how many times do we have to live and walk through that season before we get to the other side of redemption when we can say, God, I thank you for what you've laid in my lap and the restoration that comes with that. Sometimes that's not day to day, but it's seasons and years where sometimes we just have to walk through that thing, right? And that's, and that's just the way that it is in, in Naomi. And guess what? That's the way it is in our lives. So Ruth gave birth to the grandfather of King David. But let's go one step farther. It says in Matthew 1, verse 5, Salmon, Salmon or Salmon, whichever. It's not the fish, but it's Salmon, was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Anybody remember who Rahab was? Probably um, something that we can consider in the life of Jesus, as is the father of Boaz by Rahab, the, and Boaz the father of Obed, Obed by Ruth, the father of Jesse, the father of David the king, and then David the king, the father, the father, the father of Joseph, the father of Jesus, who will come and save his people from their sins. So I want you to take a, a look at redemption as it pertains to Jesus coming to earth. We have Ruth who's obedient to follow the promise, a Moabitess, you know, a person of, 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 foreign, of foreign nature and, and God is born into that because Ruth was obedient and went after Boaz and then we go one step farther and we know that Boaz's mom was Rahab who at one time was a prostitute and God 
chooses to come to earth with that being his genealogy. And what does that have to say for us today? God doesn't care about your past. God only cares about your future and what you wanna do with it. He'll take, he'll take the bad things and he'll wash you clean. He'll take the things that you're afraid of and ashamed of and he'll wash you clean and he'll allow you to walk in newness of life. That's the story of, of Ruth and Naomi. That's the story of Rahab and that's the story of this guy. He's willing to take the old, wash it away. And let's be honest, those things that make us us, that are in our past, they make us who we are. The things I speak about to the youth often are things that I've walked through, the hard times I've walked through, the horrible mistakes that I've made because it brings a, a bit of credibility maybe to the fact that if God can use me, he can use anyone, right? And so that's the story that I want us to hear today. And what does that really mean for us, this whole thing of redemption? What does that mean for us? I think it means that whatever God is calling you to, do it. He'll give you the strength, put your arms out, say, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and just say, God, I don't know what it looks like, whatever it is, but, but I want what you have for me. And if you think that you're stuck in some sort of sin or you're stuck in an addiction or you're stuck in something and you need a redeemer, please, Remember that he is as close as the sound of your voice and he's waiting, he's waiting to pick you up. He's waiting to take you out of the mess. He's waiting to put you back on solid ground and he's waiting to have that relationship with you. He wants it more than you want it with him. I'm here to tell you. He created you since the beginning of time. He created you to be in relationship with him and there's nothing he wants more for you than to have that relationship all the time. And the next thing is that some of you may be a little older than I am and I've heard it a thousand times. God, it's a little late. Uh, I don't think God has anything for me. My, my best years are behind me. And my dad's in the back and, and, and this word came from the Lord for my dad and it's good for everyone. But the Lord told me one time, he said, tell your dad that um, as, long as, you're, as long as you're still breathing, God has a plan for you. And that's true. It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter what we've done in the past. It doesn't matter what the, 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 the past has. God still has a plan for us and he has things that he wants us to walk into. And the last thing is, please, oh, please, don't let anything stand in the way. Like I said, the past is in the past. Don't let anything stand in the way of what God has for you. So I'm gonna end today with um, uh, uh, something that my grandfather preached one time. This is his New Year's uh, notebook. And um, I'm gonna share something that he shared with them. And I took my paper out of it during the first service, so I'm gonna have to find it. So please pray for me that I could find it quickly as the worship team comes up. So that'll be a nice background to that. But anyway, so he preached on um, New Year's Day one time, and this is something that he shared. I really hope I can find it. Yes, thank the Lord. Okay, so this is what he said. And I think it was, I think it was New Year's um, 1990. I think it's, it's in his book, it's 1990. But this is what he said. It was good then. And in 30 years later, it's still good. This is what he said. You see, the thrilling 
and challenging message of the gospel has been and still is that no matter what our age, whether eight or 18 or 48 or 80 or 88, no matter how helpless or hopeless our life may seem, no matter what failures we have in our past, whether in the last year or the last decade or even before, no matter how badly our, our page has been spoiled, Christ comes to us saying, come unto me all who are all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He gives us power to begin again. And that's my prayer for you as we go into 2023. God is faithful. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter what the past has been and what, 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 what has happened. Let's start all over today. And God's message to us is clear. This is the day. This is the day that you can put a stake in the ground and say, all right, 2023, January 1st, it's easy to remember. Today is the day that I made that decision. It might be the first time you've ever made the decision to follow Christ. That could be today. Or it could be yourself, you're saying to yourself, man, I've, I've really allowed this thing to just go too far. In 2023, I want to be different. So today I'm gonna put a stake in the ground and say, God, I live for you today. And whatever you have for me, I'm gonna go after it. I don't know what it looks like. I'm in a season. I'm still, I'm still you know, in a, in, a, in a sin cycle, if you will. But I don't wanna be here anymore. I wanna walk in freedom. I wanna walk in victory. Maybe that's you this morning. So as we worship, there's gonna be prayer teams up here. I'll be right over there if you need to talk to someone. But if you just wanna lay yourself out at the altar, just come right up here and, and have that intimate time with the Father. I'll pray for you, but all you need is him. All you need is him. He can do whatever you ask him to do. He will do miracles, miracles in your life. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. So please call on his name. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And his promise is sure. He will come and he will give you rest. Truth is, there's sometimes when he does not completely change your circumstances as they are. But one thing is sure. I've seen it before and I've seen it again. I've come to him in hard times. I've come to him in the scent of the fire. And sometimes the circumstances don't exactly change. He doesn't fix them. But every time, every time he fixes me. Every time he fixes my heart. So maybe the circumstances don't change, but your heart will change because you see him. We see him as a good, good father who loves us. We see him as the redeemer, the savior, the Lord who we can't live without. Peter said it last time and you heard me say it. He's our only hope. Where else are we gonna go? He's all we have. And that's what I want you guys to hear today. He's our only hope. If you're lost, please come find him. If you're in a mess, if you're in a storm, please reach out. Like Jesus did in the storm. Peace. That's all it is. Peace. So as we stand and worship, if this is your first time committing your life to him or 
you just want to set something new, please come to the altar and worship. And then I'll come back in a couple minutes and we'll do communion and then we'll go for it. Love you guys.